You are listening to the History Respawn Podcast. The HR Podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting our work by going to our Patreon site at www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. That's www.patreon.com forward slash history respond. Welcome to History Respond. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode considers Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is set in ancient Greece in the 5th century BCE. Players control a mercenary who is searching for answers about their past and family amidst the backdrop of the Peloponnesian War. With me to discuss this game is Dr. Kate Cook. Dr. Cook is a classics lecturer at the University of Leeds, and her research focuses on gender and language in Greek tragedy. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, Kate, this game occurs in the midst of the Peloponnesian War, and it plays up the differences between democracy in Athens and the oligarchy in Sparta. I know it's a huge subject, but could you give our viewers a brief overview of this conflict and the divide between these two city-states? Were the differences between Athens and Sparta really so stark? Um Yes, so it is a huge subject, so I'm not going to go through a kind of historical play-by-play of the war, certainly. Um, But it it arises uh, partly, well, it may arise partly from some of the differences that you've alluded to in your question. Um, Certainly, politically, they were quite different for quite a lot of their development. Um, And certainly by the time we get into classical Greece and and classical Athens and classical Sparta, uh, because we are looking, of course, at a democratic Athens, although probably not what we would think of in terms of democracy, because this means only male citizens can vote, um, so no slaves, no women involved, and various aspects of Mm -hmm. much more direct democracy than we're used to in the modern world. Um, Whereas Sparta has uh, for a long time what's called the mixed constitution. So they have all types of government represented in the way that their uh, system is run. So this includes kings and a kind of oligarchic uh, aristocratic level uh, and uh, various aspects of not really democracy, but chances for um, lower kind of less elite people to express some sort of opinion at least. Um, Socially, they're were quite a few differences in the way that these two places worked, as well as the kind of political difference, as far as we can tell. And I kind of put that caveat in because I'm about to return to this in a moment. Um, At least in the Mm. question of uh, women's rights, for example, it does seem that women had more rights in Sparta Uh, They could own property, for example, and later writers commented that the amount of freedom that women had to conduct their own business in Sparta was one of the problems with Sparta. Um, And geographically, and this is something which contributes to their different roles in in the sort of military situation in some ways, Athens is obviously not as landlocked as Sparta. Sparta was particularly landlocked. Um, It had access to a port um, and access to a river, but it was also kind of fortified by the landscape quite well, um, which is actually something we see in the game. Quite a lot of this kind of rocky landscape surrounding the cities is conveyed Mm -hmm. extremely well. um, And that was an advantage for Sparta. And they also had something called helots, uh, where they had effectively enslaved a neighboring population um, very, very close to Sparta itself. Uh, and kept up this system of enslavement, which meant that Sparta was 
kind of focused on the land, not just because it was a good defence for them, but also because they had a very close enemy sitting right on top of their land um, in a way which, because these helots, of course, there were quite a lot of helot revolts. Um, and in fact, some of the conflicts of the Peloponnesian War uh, were connected to helot revolts and the way that Athens had responded to those in ways that Sparta didn't like. So Sparta has this kind of very militaristic focused approach to particularly land battles, whereas Athens had a different, more spread out focus, partly due to geography as well as kind of different social priorities. But can I add a caveat to all of this? <laughs> Please do. Which is to say that it's also, however, there's a problem when we talk about the differences between Athens and Sparta in the classical period and particularly before that, which is evidence. Very much of the evidence that we look at when we look at classics is uh, Athenian, or if it's not Athenian, it's Athenocentric. So characters like Herodotus, who we see in the game travelling to Athens to do his history, um, this is actually what they did do. So a lot of the writers we've got were based in Athens, were working in Athens. They may have travelled around elsewhere. We haven't got very much survival of evidence from Sparta. So Spartan historians, we haven't got um, we haven't got kind of Spartan plays in the same way as we have from Athens. We haven't got a lot of Spartan poetry. Um, even kind of the inscription culture is not as good in terms of what we've got for evidence. So a lot of what we're learning about Sparta is coming only from the position of outsiders who were looking at Sparta in comparison to Athens and saying, oh, look how different this is. So, of course, mm -hmm. we get this; these differences really played up in our sources. And it's difficult to know how much of that is exaggerated. So some of these things, the geography, we can say, you know, definitely I can back that up. They have different geography. But some other questions, it's hard to know how much of this is being exaggerated just due to the survival of evidence. So Sparta, in a sense, is kind of perpetually the historical other to Athens. Yes, absolutely. Um, and certainly, obviously, as the Peloponnesian War picks up, this becomes even more pronounced. Um, and a lot of the writers and the playwrights and so on that we've got from classical Athens are operating in the time when Sparta is not just the other, they are often an enemy as well. So they are mm -hmm. really emphasizing these differences. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the um, Spartan society in Helots. Um, there is a, a series of missions in the game in which you are attempting to kind of uh, get in good with the Spartan kings in order to access information. And part of getting in good with the Spartan kings is uh, putting down a Helot rebellion. And I didn't really know the context that you had mentioned uh, just a minute ago. And But I did have the sense in the game that I was effectively putting down a slave rebellion? I felt a little imperialist at that moment. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, it's very much like that. They, The helots are kind of, they are called helots rather than slaves, but they they are effectively enslaved. I mean, they do, you know, most of the menial labor, certainly. Um, and when they do try and revolt, the Spartans were used to putting these revolts down. Um, mm -hmm. So in that regard, they're not treated as kind of a, a, a potentially difficult democratic group of people. As you see, you know, you see uh, difficult political situations in ancient democracies that sometimes involve violence. But this is very much mm -hmm. a top-down imposition of Spartan will on the helots in a, a much more extreme fashion than you see elsewhere. So it is very much like, mm. effectively, you were suppressing a slave result there. Mm. Well, shame on me, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, but this is, uh, so this, sorry, this is just... Oh, go ahead. But Sparta was so worried about, at least as far as we can tell from the authors, who I've already said, you know, are coming from the outside, they were really worried about Helot revolts. So that's, I mean, it's quite realistic that in order to earn favour with them, they would, this would be something that you'd need to do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so this game includes a lot of famous historical male figures. Uh, we mentioned Herodotus already. There's Pericles uh, and, of course, Socrates. Um, yet the game also includes prominent roles for women, uh, including the player character Cassandra, uh, her mother Marine, uh, and Pericles' partner Aspasia. Uh, could you give us a sense of the roles that women played in society? during this period? Sure. So again, I should preface this by saying a lot of our evidence is very Athenian-based. It seems to be the case that the situation in Sparta was different um, in terms of allowing women more freedom. But in Athens, certainly the ideal was said to have been that women lived quite secluded lives. Um, They worked at home. They will have had roles like weaving clothes for the household, um, possibly managing household expenses and so on, um, and things like food supplies in a kind of very domestic context. But they didn't have much of a public life. Uh, Athenian women also seem to have worn quite, uh, as we see in the game, in fact, the kind of drapery that they wear um, seems quite realistic. So they were quite well covered up. And some scholars have discussed whether or not Athenian women might have been veiled, particularly in public as well, which would suggest um, comparisons Mm. with societies now where women are very secluded. Having said that, they didn't have totally unpublic lives. They couldn't have political lives because they couldn't vote, they couldn't do things like get involved in the magistracies of Athens, but they did have quite significant roles in religious festivals, um, both kind of citizen women as part of celebrating religious festivals, and there are various kind of priestess roles available to them in particular cults as well. So Certainly when there were religious festivals on, it wouldn't have been that unusual to see women out as part of the celebrations. It's not that they were always at home. And quite a lot of this is quite class distinguished as well. Um, So in the different classes, we see quite a lot of different behavior in terms of especially trade. Uh, So some of the plays Mm -hmm. of Aristophanes have lower class women, including women who are kind of forced into work because their husbands have died. Um, But uh, market stall women who who seem to own their own stalls or at least rent their own stalls and sell their own goods in the market, which is obviously a public place. So they will have been working in public and interacting with customers of different kinds. And there's some suggestion in Aristophanes that women had access, and in some speeches of some of the uh, law court orators as well, that women also had access to these markets as customers. Um, So they could have Mm. gone out, um, and Aristophanes kind of suggests that women are going out, because it's supposed to be funny, uh, to go out and meet their lovers in the process of these duties. But even if we think that that's an exaggeration, the fact that he mentions them going out seems that we should be careful not to emphasise too much the kind of domestic ideal and suggest that women never went out in public. They were rarely as kind of powerful or influential as Aspasia is often thought to be, but they did have some social functions and some important social functions within Athenian society as well. Mm-hmm. And you'd mentioned that in Sparta, they, they had a little bit more freedom, the ability to control property. Is, I mean, is there any role for women uh, in politics within Spartan society? Um, so this is sort of, again, it's difficult to track a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, this ability to, con- to have property uh, means that they could have status. And so their, their kind of opinions mattered a little bit more, or at least seemed mm-hmm. to matter a little bit more. And uh, they could also run estates when men were away. 
So because because they were already used to kind of being involved in property, I suppose it was seen less as less abhorrent for a wife to control the husband's property while he was away. Um, and the very high numbers of Spartan men engaged in military activity mean that uh, during the kind of worst periods of warfare, there will have been quite a lot of women who were basically in charge of all the big estates in Sparta because the men were away doing other things. Um, they also seem to have assuming we don't think that this is exaggeration, they seem to have had a different style of dress. They seem to have worn kind of shorter dresses, which is something that some Athenian authors comment on unfavorably. Um, This is why there may be some risk of exaggeration here, because if an Athenian author, particularly Mm. for dramatic effect, is saying, well, all the women in Sparta are basically naked, that may or may not really be telling us the reality. And they also were able to participate in games, certainly as young women, it seems like they could involve involve themselves in things like foot races. There's a tradition of kind of unmarried women having a foot race from Sparta that appears in, in various texts. So these are kind of things that they could do. Having said that, they still couldn't have political roles. You know, they couldn't, they still mm. become magistrates or become king. You know, I mentioned that Sparta has kings. It only has kings. It doesn't have queens. They, are not, they mm-hmm. don't have that kind of political activity available to them, even in Sparta. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, a good deal of the player character's time in Athens is spent talking and carousing with playwrights and poets. Uh, Most notably, Cassandra runs into Sophocles, Euripides, uh, and Aristophanes. How important were arts and artists in Athenian society? They were very important. Um, so the playwrights in particular, the kind of the importance of dramatic festivals in Athens uh, is shown by the fact that they partly that they happen so often. Um, so there's the big there are big annual dramatic festivals where uh, you have three sets of tragedies that are performed and the playwrights compete to see who's going to be the three that get the award of performing. Um, and then they compete against each other in the uh, festival itself as well. And uh, there's also kind of comic festivals as well. Uh, and the one of the things to remember about this is that they're not important just because they happen often and they seem to have been well attended. Otherwise, presumably, you wouldn't keep putting these on. Um, but they're also big religious activities. So the festivals at which plays are performed are are opened with various religious rites um, and are kind of sit, held under the auspices of Dionysus. The magistrates mm-hmm. are involved with them, one of the archon's responsibilities for the year, um, so this is one of the kind of city magistrates, is to uh, fund the dramatic festivals. So it, they're kind of tied up in politics in that regard as well. And the, the magistrates, as far as we can tell, all used to go to the plays as well. So it wasn't kind of theatre that was something which happened that only theatre goers went to. This was a key central event uh, for religious activity, for political figures to be involved in. And they also, particularly in Athens, this happens less at kind of local travelling performances, but in Athens there were big civic parades at the beginning of the festival, including a parade of the orphans of military tree dead um so these were kind of kids who effectively their their parents had made uh, the ultimate sacrifice as it were for athens and so they were being celebrated for the fact that their parents were dead which is or at least their fathers were dead which is obviously not great for the kids but it's a kind of fantastic display of civic loyalty that happens as part mm-hmm. of these dramatic festivals so they were kind of bound about by all of these important social functions beyond just being for entertainment 
So, I mean, you've got to see some of the sequences with uh, Cassandra carousing yes. with some of these playwrights. What do you think of the depiction of these playwrights in this game? I think it's really interesting. The depiction of them as kind of public figures is quite interesting and quite accurate um, because a lot of these playwrights uh, we know, we don't know a great deal about their lives, but we do know that they were involved in kind of, they had social roles as well as being playwrights. So Sophocles, for example, um, has a key religious role towards the end of his life in a particular cult. Um, and we know that Aeschylus, who is is unfortunately dead by this time, so not in this game, uh, but he fought at Marathon. So they were kind of public figures. So the setting of them as public, socially involved figures that you can meet in Pericles' house is, is very realistic and a nice touch not to separate them off. Um, personally, I thought they were quite clever. Um, it's, I mean, it's very difficult to know about the personalities of a lot of these figures, again, because of the evidence. Often mm-hmm. what we think we know or what what other figures in the ancient world used to say they know about, say, Sophocles as a person, has been taken from his plays, not from you know separate writings or letters or diaries, because we don't have any of that. So there's there used to be quite a big tradition of taking, uh, in the later period of the ancient world, in the Hellenistic period, of taking details from the plays and using them to invent biographical details about the poets. So some of the suggestion as Sophocles as being kind of bad-tempered and hotly-tempered, for example, is quite often now thought to be based not on anything really to do with Sophocles, but to do with his portrayal of Oedipus, who in multiple Mm. plays by Sophocles is extremely hot-tempered, loses his temper in various arguments with other characters. And so this kind of character trait from one of Sophocles' fictional characters has been taken out by Hellenistic biographers. And they said, oh, well, you know, he really understood anger because he himself was hot-tempered. And that's why he wrote this character (laughs) in this way. So there's a lot of kind of strange bad non-evidence mm. about these figures. So I think, I mean, they're perfectly plausible. They're quite interesting characters. I couldn't possibly say if they are or aren't ar- accurate because we just don't have the evidence to do that. So they work nicely in this right. at least. Right. And it's not as though all of their plays have, you know, kind of been passed down no. to later generations, right? I mean, it's just only a portion. Yes, it's a tiny portion, in fact. Um, so I mentioned that we had this this big yearly festival for performance of tragedy at which um, each tragedian will have produced three plays of the tragedy type and then one which is a satire play, which is a kind of lighter, funny play featuring a chorus of satires. And our kind of main extant tragedians were performing regularly at these festivals, nearly every year, as far as we can tell, they were writing plays. Um, And most of them had quite lengthy careers as well. So we're thinking three plays a year for maybe 30 years or so. We've got uh, a handful of those. So we've got six of Aeschylus, maybe a bit more, um, and six of Sophocles, and then a few more for Euripides. But in comparison to how many Mm -hmm. they will have written, and in comparison to how many of the titles that have been passed down to us of plays that were supposedly written that we just have no trace of, um, yes, we've got barely Mm. anything. Wow. Uh, So many of the game's quests associated with playwrights and poets, uh, especially those uh, related to Aristophanes, relate to their hatred and struggle against Cleon, uh, who was presented as an Athenian aristocrat and opponent to Pericles. Uh, And indeed, uh, Cleon is actually positioned in the game as something of an ancient Greek version of Donald Trump. Uh, He's a blonde demagogue using fear to overthrow democracy. So to what extent did playwrights and poets comment on or contribute to political discourse 
during the 5th century BCE? Um, so, it, well, it t- actually varies among the two types of playwright quite substantially. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Aristophanes because he's... Uh, partly because he's so big in the game in terms of this interaction. Um, but he clearly did interact very uh, substantially, to a very substantial degree, with the political situation. Um, so Aristophanes wrote what's called old comedy, um, which contrasts to what's later called new comedy. We're very original with our names in classics. Um, because <laughs> old comedy is often uh, a question of social commentary. Um, and there's a lot of kind of satire of, of the current situation particularly in Athens. So there are plays that are concerned with uh, the wars, um, including the Peloponnesian War. And there are indeed plays um, like The Knights, which is the one that uh, is being staged in the game, which does indeed have uh, what seems to be a substantial and very negative commentary on the role of Cleone in the democracy of Athens. Um, and uh, there are, there's a character called Cleone. Um, there's also a kind of complicated second allegory in this play, which makes things it's not quite so straightforward as the character is just Cleon he's sort of Cleon and this other bad figure from another mm. story but nonetheless I mean mm. he's called Cleon and in other plays there's there are two characters called um if effectively their names are I hate Cleon and I love Cleon um in Greek obviously <laughs> um to, sure, know, sure. to show the two political positions that are being kind of argued out this is to do with jury service and some reforms to the way that jury worked the jury service worked in Athens mm. which Cleon had been involved in so certainly Aristophanes wrote uh, very many plays that were extensively engaged with the political situation of the time. Um, and indeed, the kind of anti-Cleone position that they've given him in the game is is cl- accurate, I think, um, or at least is what his plays are accurate. We can't tell necessarily if that's what Aristophanes personally felt, um, although it's unlikely that he was sort of inventing all of this completely. For the tragedians, it's a lot harder to do this because tragedy isn't set in current Athens. Almost never. There are a couple of examples, um, one of which we don't have. Um, that was a play that uh, apparently upset the Athenians so much by reminding them of present troubles that it was never attempted again. Um, and one of which we do have, which is Aeschylus's Persians, um, which deals with the Persians after their defeat in the Persian War. Um, but these are the, mm. kind of the only contemporary plays that we're aware of, and obviously we've only got one of them. The rest are set in the mythological past, so characters like Theseus and Heracles, um, Agamemnon and the various uh, Trojan characters mm. as well from the Trojan War are all stock figures of tragedy, so they tend to be much more distant from contemporary reality. Now, some scholars have said that doesn't stop them engaging with current political debates. And certainly, um, again, Aeschylus uh, had uh, in his trilogy, The Oresteia, some uh, concern with what uh, the trial system, basically, um, which had been recently reformed at the time of the performance, um, how you do homicide trials had recently changed. And The Oresteia, which is a uh, trilogy about Agamemnon and then Orestes and the matricide and the husband killing and all of that um, and ends mm-hmm. with the legal trial um, and it's been suggested that Aeschylus is kind of engaging with the very recent reforms even at this distant setting. With other plays it's much harder to see that. Some scholars have tried to look at uh, plays by Euripides for example and said oh look this character represents Alcibiades because they're roughly contemporary mm-hmm. um, or um, the Trojan women is often taken to be a response to various tragedies that have happened in kind of recent war. Um, 
but it's it's difficult to say that. Certainly, we could say that there's some interpretation mm-hmm. of kind of so, and certainly interpretation of social questions. You know, what kind of leadership should we have is very common in tragedy, but doesn't tend to be directly tied to exact contemporary figures in the same way that comedy is. Mm, interesting. So, unsurprisingly, for histor- historical dramas set during this time period, Greek mythology plays a major role in the main quest as well as several side quests within this game. Uh, we have references to the gods, uh, to mythical animals, ancient heroes, uh, and supernatural foes, including the Minotaur and Medusa. Uh, interestingly, however, uh, the player character and the non-player characters in this game often refer to these stories and tales with skepticism. Nevertheless, they also take you know kind of non-mythical religious practices in temples very seriously. Do you have any sense? of how the Greeks at this time considered their own mythology. Uh, Were these ideas taken literally, or were they merely seen as useful tales to illustrate religious doctrine? Sure. So, I mean, so this is a very interesting question. And again, it's we are a little bit hampered by the evidence here because what we tend not to have from the classical period is Joe Bloggs, who runs a sausage stall or whatever, writing down, you know, I really don't believe the myth about Theseus. We just don't have that kind of evidence. What we tend to have are the big set pieces, the poems that tell the myth of Theseus without the reaction to them. Um, having said that, in the fifth century particularly, there is beginning to be um, an an interesting interaction between the question of myth and the question of what is history in comparison to myth with the dawn mm-hmm. of effectively the genre of history, which as a prose genre doesn't really exist before Herodotus, which is why he's sort of the, treated as the father of history. Um, mm-hmm. And Herodotus and then his um, in almost, not quite contemporary, but sort of almost immediate follower Thucydides, both grapple to some extent in their histories with what shall we do about what we would consider to be myths. So the idea, for example, that Athens was founded by Theseus, um, and Theseus was the first king of Athens, to us would seem obviously myth and kind of obviously not history, but to the Athenians has been part of what they consider their history for a very long time and part of what they consider their national identity as well. They're proud of this association with Theseus. Um, and mm-hmm. again, we can see this coming out in, in particularly in tragedy, uh, the number of plays featuring Theseus doing good things and making everyone proud of Athens is quite striking. So Clearly, they had associated with these myths and kind of treated them as history. Um, And now that this new prose genre was coming out, what to do about them was quite a vexed question. So some uh, authors, including Herodotus, try and kind of rationalise myth a little bit and talk about uh, kind of what the real thing behind the myth was. Um, Or in fact, Herodotus sort of writes in some myths as part of his history. So he starts off his history between um, the East and the West as a conflict of abductions of girls, including Helen, for example, who's obviously Mm -hmm. to us a mythical figure. And he says, this is the start of history. Mm. Other character, other kind of writers are less keen to integrate them so well. And, um, Indeed, Thucydides criticizes some of the kind of particularly numbers, mythological numbers and so on that have been passed down in uh, poems such as the Iliad or the Odyssey as being kind of clearly wrong. Um, he's much more willing to engage and say that and treat some of these things more skeptically. 
when it comes to the religious side, again, there's a kind, a kind of new way of thinking about these, which is in fact not so new in the fifth century um, and has been existing before then, because the growth of philosophy um, and various philosoph- philosophical thinkers had started to interrogate the question of how do we relate to our gods and our religion when we've got all these myths, particularly when we've got these myths of them doing terrible things. You know, should we be worshipping a Zeus who in myth is uh, mostly associated with abducting women, for example? And various philosophers said uh, that, you know, these are good myths, but they're not how we should think of our gods, that they are something slightly Mm. different. Um, And that what what the Greeks were starting to do was that they had kind of humanised their gods as part of the story and that the real gods, the gods they should be worshipping, were different and more abstract and better. Um, so that kind of thought had been had already existed for quite a while and was kind of ongoing as part of the discussion. Um, and we note uh, that late, slightly later writers such as Plato, um, which is obviously where we get most of our things that Socrates supposedly said from, um, was quite uh, objected quite a lot to poetry and some of the myths that are found in poetry as being kind of not useful socially, um, putting the gods mm. in bad positions as part of it, but also kind of uh, making things seem real that were not real. So mm. a lot of these kind of questions about what to do with myth um, in all sorts of genres, in history and uh, in religion and in theology, thinking about what the gods were, were certainly being discussed as far as we can tell, at least by kind of intellectuals and members of intellectual circles. It's harder to know whether kind of the general person on the street would have really been engaged with all of this debate. It's much harder to track that kind of thing. Um, and certainly religious practice mm. and religious ritual, whether or not that was associated with particular myths, was very important for your average Athenian um, or indeed your average Spartan. They were both almost exactly the same in this regard. They had slightly preferred gods. But the importance of doing the right rituals, of following omens, of practicing the appropriate religious activities at the appropriate time of year, all of that was still considered to be very important, even while these questions about kind of why they were doing them or whether the stories associated with them were quite right were going on. Yeah, that seems, you know, that plays out well in the game then because, um, you know, in kind of uh, back and forth dialogue between the player character and NPCs, they kind of, you know, they say, oh, you know, the Minotaur, Medusa, a lot of these stories, this is all BS, right? Uh, but when it comes to uh, going into a temple, when you are walking around a temple, when you're engaging uh, with um, NPCs around the temple, it's very, it's presented in a way that, you know, it feels as though they are trying to be respectful um, and taking it very seriously. And there's moments also where uh, the player character uh, will joke about, you know, how ridiculous it is, uh, you know, that these stories, the Minotaur and Medusa still exist, uh, but then also make reference to Poseidon. And, you know, you're out on the high seas and you say to yourself, oh, I hope Poseidon is not angry with us today. Um, sure. So it's kind of a weird thing. It, it almost seems like um, the player character and the NPCs, they take the kind of traditional pantheon of the gods very seriously. But then a lot of the kind of subsequent stories after that, they're kind of like, well, that's not really real. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, so so, to some extent, that's quite understandable in a lot of ways. You know, it's you may or may not believe that Poseidon had a certain number of sons with a certain number of women. But when you're on the sea in in a, well, relatively small wooden boat, and it's a sea that's full of other boats. And there's quite a lot of sea combat in this game as well. So we think, you know, in the middle of the war, yes. it's quite a dangerous situation. If there is someone out there who can help you and you know that his name could be Poseidon, 
of course you're going to send up a prayer in this situation, whether or not you think the details of his uh, children are correct. Um, so I think kind of that level of, of um, at least, you know, doing what they could to try and make the gods, if they were out there, help them um, is very realistically mm-hmm. portrayed in this game. And the Oracle is similar, mm. actually. I thought the Oracle was particularly interesting in this game. This kind of, oh, really? yeah, this, this sort of skepticism um, that you see from Herodotus versus kind of one of the other characters, Barnabas, who is uh, convinced that a Apollo is speaking through uh, the oracle, and Herodotus kind of raises the question of oh yeah, Barnabas control. believes everything. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he he takes it all as his gospel. Yeah, yes, um, and Herodotus kind of raises the question of political control, um, and that's quite interesting because in Herodotus's histories, there are quite a lot of stories of people testing the oracles or. Um, times where the oracle could be, is it that the oracle's wrong or is it that the oracle's been misinterpreted? And Herodotus seems really interested in this question. He writes about it a lot. Um, but this, but neither of these positions stops you going to the oracle and saying, you know, I'm in serious debt. I need help. Is there something I can do to get help? Can I do a ritual or something? You know, whether you're sceptical about it or not, if you think you can get help there, you can see that this is still kind of something that you would subscribe to, even if at the back of your mind you thought, well, maybe this is rubbish, but I may as well give it a go. So I thought that was quite an interesting and, and quite nuanced way of, of showing what is likely to be the real situation in a lot of, for a lot of people. Interesting. Uh, well, so is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything, other topics? No, I don't think so. Um um, oh, I guess the coloured statues. I think other people will have talked about this, so you don't kind of necessarily need to include this. But the coloured statues were fantastic as a part of the game because uh, I don't know. So probably you're not aware of kind of ongoing debates in the classical community because most people aren't. Um, but there's been a lot of discussion recently. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, that's I'm a fine. modernist, I mean, <laughs> so all of this, all of this is Greek to me. So sure. Very <laughs> nice. You've got it in there somewhere. Um, there's been a lot of discussion recently because a couple of scholars have been writing in more public-facing forums about the fact that we know that statues um, from ancient Greece and Rome were painted, so they should have been very colourful. And in fact, some of the really bright statues you see in Athens in this game, um, that's very realistic. They look a bit kind of unexpected because we're used to seeing white uh, marble for a lot of these things, but actually the painted colour and the range of colours is much more realistic. Um, And it's an interesting choice because the scholars who've been talking about this kind of thing have pointed out that our desire to kind of whitewash a lot of these statues is associated with various problematic ideas of white as being beautiful as well. Kind of where it starts coming into scholarship mm. is um, itself very problematic. Um, and so I thought it was it was very interesting that uh, Assassin's Creed have kind of picked up this and done it right. You know, they could have done the lazy thing and done everything um, as white marble and just said, um, mm-hmm. we didn't really know, or um, we've just gone with the traditional interpretation of how these statues and these temples should look. But they clearly have put in a lot of effort to make sure that this is realistic. And so all of the painted statues and the paintings inside the temples as well um, were really, really nice to see. I thought it was a really uh, good mm. detail to see being used. All right. Well, I think that does it for our episode of History Respawn. Kate, thank you so much for thank joining me. Thank you very me. much for having me. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm.